So, I'm excited to preach this message to you today. Uh, actually excited, and while that might seem odd to you, there's a little bit of a story behind that, and I think I need to explain it a little bit. So, I was pretty excited to preach this message at the beginning of the week. I had studied it uh, quite a bit already, and I was really passionate about what it had to say. So I was feeling pretty confident going into this week about what was going on and, and what this passage had to say. Uh, and let's fast forward. As the week got on, went on, I got less and less confident uh, and more and more uh, afraid, I, I guess I, I would say. And uh, this really hit me yesterday because I knew that I had a busy day yesterday. And normally on Saturdays, I'm kind of running through my notes. And by this, by this time Saturday, uh, I'm just trying to, you know, practice what, what, what I'm going to say to you. And so I, I, I get to this point uh, yesterday afternoon after we had this uh, safety thing going on here at the church yesterday morning, and I'm sitting here practicing it, and I'm just super frustrated. Uh, I'm super out of sorts about this passage, and it's, it's just draining me. Just, there's something not clicking about it for me. And uh, we, my, we had the opportunity this uh, yesterday to go and witness one of my daughter's best friends um, be baptized at another church. They do a Saturday night service. And so, and, and I knew we were going to have to dinner with uh, th this, these friends of ours afterwards. And so I was like, I, uh, you know, I'm at this point where I'm like, when am I going to study? What am I going to do? It's going to be a late night and I'm super frustrated. And so we, we go and uh, we, we see uh, my daughter's friend get baptized. And that was awesome. Um, and, you know, they were like, oh, thank you so much for coming. We know you have to preach tomorrow. I'm like, there's nothing, you know, I'm more honored to do than to watch someone join the body of Christ. Uh, and I didn't want them to feel bad, but, but inside I'm, I am sort of internally frustrated because, uh, <laughs> I mean, just, just with the fact that I, I just, I needed the time and I needed to figure this out. And so then we get home and it's, uh, we went out to dinner and it's late. And then you know what happens uh, when, when it's late and your kids uh, stay up late is they get cranky. And so, you know, of course I'm thinking, okay, Guys, let's go home. Let's get right to bed. Uh, I, you know, brush your teeth and do all that stuff. And of course, it's exactly the opposite of what happens. They do everything uh, the opposite. They don't get their jams on. They they don't brush their teeth, and they're just screaming and crying at me. And I get into it with my oldest daughter, Olive, and and we're just going back and forth. And like I'm I'm literally power struggling with a seven year old. And like I'm gonna do this if you don't do this. And she's like. Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm taking toys away, and I'm doing everything that I can just to get her in bed so I can study the Word. It, seriously. It, and, it, and I just break down in the middle of this, and I just realize the ridiculousness of this. And I kind of stop, and I see that my daughter is just absolutely upset in the end of herself. And I, and I go over to Olive, and I say, Olive, you know that I love you. And she goes, I don't know that you love me. Nobody loves me. And I said, why, do you, why would you say that? Why would you say nobody loves you? And she said, I just keep sinning, and I can't stop sinning. And I'm going, that's weird. That's kind of like what my message is about. <laughs> and, and she asked me this question, it was because we, the, her friend got baptized today, and they said, yes, yeah, she's a follower of Jesus now. They said that. And, and, and so all of asked me, uh, Last night, she says, Dad, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And I looked at her, and literally, this is what this passage is about, uh, someone who follows Jesus. And I looked at her, and I had no answer. 
I know, I know you guys weren't hoping for that. You were hoping I'd give you the answer right now. But if, with, if I'm honest with you, I looked at my, my daughter with this blank stare in my face, and I'm thinking to myself, I have to preach a sermon tomorrow on what it means to follow Jesus, and I can't even tell my daughter that. That was a, that was a brutal moment. And so she, she tried to help me out a little bit. She said, she said uh, does, it, does it mean that I be a good person and I stop sinning? Or does it mean that like, I just I, like, follow him wherever he goes, like on the sidewalk? And I was like, That's, those are two very interesting uh, predicaments there. Uh, but what I realized last night is that something was plaguing her, and I think it's something that plagues us no matter who you are here today. If you, if you say you would follow Jesus or if you are just trying to figure it out, I think there's something about it, this question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What must I do to follow Jesus that plagues humanity? Uh, and I think what it really gets down to is, ultimately, what must I do to save myself? And really, if you're like me last night, what must I do? What, why do my actions matter? This is something that plagues society today. And where do we go with this? We try to, we try to figure the world out. We try to make our own worldview. We try to figure out how our actions can matter. We try to make something of ourselves. And ultimately, we're trying to save ourselves. And so I'm excited today to tell you what I've learned in the past maybe six hours, <laughs> what God has taught me through this passage and what I believe God is going to teach you today. So let's dive in. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 5. We're finishing Luke chapter 5 today. We're starting out in verse 27. We're going to go through the whole passage. So uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. So I'm going to stop right there mid-verse and just give you a little bit of background information. Levi is also called Matthew. It was common in this time to have two names. And so Levi is Matthew. He wrote the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. Uh, and he's a tax collector. And so uh, a lot of you guys are familiar with taxes, especially right now. You're, you, maybe you're even actually happy about taxes like me. I, you know, I have a lot of kids. Um, and so it's a good year for taxes for me. Like, I, I like tax collectors right now. Um, but that, that's not, that wasn't the case here. So when you think about taxes in this, in this time, um, the Jews were under Roman rule. And so what had happened is the Romans would capture, like, this territory, right? And then they would, uh, they would collect taxes, but it was more like a toll. So you're not getting goods and services. Some of you may say, I'm not getting goods and services out of my taxes now, and we won't argue that today. Um, but there's, I think we could all agree there's some benefit, maybe small or big, to taxes. And, and, and for them, it was, it was just paying the Romans because you were captured by them. And what they would do is they would actually have the Jews, they would take Jews and sort of like convert them and establish these little Jewish franchises where they the Jews would become tax collectors, and so they're taking as much as maybe even historians think 40% from the Jews, and then how you would make your money as a Jewish person is you would add on to that, and you could add on as much as you wanted. So that's how you made your money. It's like maybe, maybe they charge you 40%, but then you're like, mm, I want to make 20%, so you'd, you'd take 60% from the people. And there was no real rules around this, and so as you can imagine, what would happen is you would try to the money would be good. I, I was in sales for a while. I kind of understand this, like the whole idea of margin and like just add as much margin as you can onto a deal and the money is good and it's kind of addicting. And so you would do what it t took to, to collect that money. And so oftentimes crime and things were involved in this. And uh, these tax collectors were kind of extortionists. And, and the worst part about it is they were hated because they were, 
they were Jewish people, and the Jews didn't like the Romans. They hated the Romans for what they were doing to them, and these Jews would join the Romans. So you have to understand, this is who Matthew is at this time. He is not a likable person. He is someone that is just not your friend and not the friend of the Jews. And he said to them, this is Jesus, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. So when I was studying this passage, the thing that kept coming to my mind is, is just kind of like the absurdity that this guy Matthew, this, this criminal, this dude who's pretty wealthy and pretty established as well, would just get up and follow Jesus, right? This is the question that we have is like, what, what does it take to follow Jesus? What must I do to follow Jesus? What did Matthew do in this situation? What, what did it look like? And it, this, this question plagued me over and over and over again. And then it hit me. The absurdity here is not that Matthew got up and followed Jesus and left everything. See, I, see, it's not that. It's that Jesus ever saw him in the first place. There's this picture of this scene. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen it. I kind of, I sent it to my wife, uh, hint, hint again, because um, uh, it would make a great birthday present. <clears throat> uh, and, uh, but I really like this picture, but it's actually it's this portrait that, that um, people have painted over time. It's been, it's been redone several times, but this picture, is, it's always depicted that there's, there's this kind of like dark room where a bunch of tax collectors are, are sitting, and then there's this sort of like figure coming in and he's pointing. And uh, there's like this sort of light behind him and everybody in the room is kind of like looking down and Matthew's just kind of standing there and he's doing this, like, who, me? Like, Matthew at that time was, was he, he had tried and tried and tried to save himself with the things that he was doing in this world. He had seen all that this world had to offer. He was chasing money. He was chasing his dreams. He was chasing his worldview. He was trying to save himself, and he'd heard about this Jesus guy, and he knew that he was bringing something different. And make no mistake, it was no task for him to get up and leave everything behind and follow Jesus. The absurdity is, is that Jesus came to him. So what does it look like? What does it look like then? What did it look like for Matthew to follow Jesus? What must we do then? Verse 29, And Levi, this is Matthew, made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. It looks like a celebration. You see, what happens is when you, when you find your Savior, when you see that it's not up to you, that when you see that the works aren't done, you want to celebrate. My wife and I were talking about uh, this, and she was just, she was just saying uh, it's interesting just the fact that he's sitting around, and there's like this huge uh, party of people, and they're all, every, like everybody's there, and how often, are, you know, for us, we sort of, we, we, don't, we don't do that. Like when Jesus comes, to, when Jesus comes into our life, we kind of sort of maybe invite maybe those who we think are going to receive him or maybe the select few. And we sort of uh, take Jesus and we, we have areas of our life that we'll bring him into, but not everybody is there. But for Matthew, following Jesus meant that Jesus was now in his inner circle. In this time, uh, in this day and age, when you had a big feast like this and you were consuming a meal with people, 
It was for your inner circle. It was for the people that lived life with you. And what it looked like for, for Levi, for Matthew, to follow Jesus is to bring Jesus along with him into every bit of his life. But we have issues with this. We, we struggle with this. Uh, we, we try to uh, figure out other ways that we can sort of leave Jesus out. I, I think about the fact that, like, for me, a lot of the times there was things that I wanted to do for myself, like get a job. And I remember, you know, I kind of worked it out at our church uh, a long, long time ago as well. And I would sort of leave that off my resume <laughs> because I didn't necessarily want to show my cards right away. I didn't want to lose that job because I didn't really want people to know that I was a follower of Jesus. I was unwilling to give up everything. And I think that you and I do this. There's areas of our life where we try to hide Jesus. We're still holding on to some of the things that we want to do in this life. There's areas where we want to save ourselves, and it may be in your job, or you may leave it out of a, a relationship because you don't want them to know you're a Christian uh, just yet. You know, maybe, maybe you'll be able to reveal that and, and, and tell them at one point. Or maybe it's that you just, you just, you just want to have your family time and, you, and, you, and so looking at following Jesus completely is not taking vacations every, every weekend and it's going to church on Sundays and so you're like, well, I'm not ready for that quite yet. I still, I still have stuff left that I need to do. I still have stuff that I need to do. And this concept of our actions plagues us. Like, what do we do? How much should we follow Jesus? And, and, and how do we do it? And actions plague the Pharisees. And we see this in the next verse. It says, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? See, Matthew was hanging around with people that the Pharisees thought, you, you can't hang out with them. Because what was going on with the Pharisees is that they were, they were all about the law. And what the law meant for them was doing things to make sure that they stayed clean. And so you didn't associate with the unclean. Matt talked about last week uh, the idea of Jesus going out and healing the leper. And like lepers at this time had to go down the street and say, like, I'm a leper, I'm a leper, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. You know, stay away from me. Don't, uh, don't get part of my disease. But here Jesus is, and he's doing something completely different. And they're grumbling about it. Why, why is he hanging out with these people? If he's the Savior, why is he with sinners? And I think this looks like a lot of us. We, we do this same thing. Look at me. I have followed all of the rules. I'm a good person. I... I do everything right. I have good morals. I go to church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I go every day. I'm doing all the right things. I'm getting everything right. Why do you go to them, Jesus? They're sinners. They don't do the right things. They're unclean people. We get frustrated and we grumble at other people. Why did they get that promotion? Shouldn't their actions matter? I work harder. I do more. Why did they get that wife and I don't have a wife yet? Why does their marriage look so great? I'm doing it all right, Jesus. I'm doing it all for you. What's going on? And we try and we try and we try. And we don't get this right. And we go to Jesus and we grumble and we say, Why are you doing this, Jesus? Why do you save this person? 
Why, are you, why does this person's life look so great? Why not me? Don't my actions matter? And how does Jesus answer them? Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, the, the Pharisees at this time were all about their actions. They were all about the things that they were doing and just getting it right. And Jesus says, I'm not here for the righteous. And what he really means there and what these Pharisees should have known is that there is no one righteous. Paul, who is a Pharisee, who he comes into the picture, wrote most of the New Testament later on. Um, he comes in the picture later, and he recognizes this. He writes basically like a whole uh, book of the Bible in, in Romans about this. And in Romans 3, he, he basically says, uh, you know, as it says, there is no one who is righteous, no, not one. And he's referring to Psalms, Psalms 14, where, where it talks about the fact that no one does good, no, not one person. And these good, righteous people, knowing their Bible, should have known that none of them can do it on their own. None of them are righteous, that their actions won't save them. And you and I today, I think what we would say is, well, I'm not a Pharisee. Some of you here, you would say, I'm not a Pharisee. I see my need for Jesus. I see what he's done for me. I, I prayed that prayer. I did that thing. He's my savior now. And so my actions don't matter. I'm not trying to save myself anymore. And Luke wants to address this in verse 33. He says, And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. Like, in a sense, it's funny about this, is they're saying, like, why are you guys having fun? Don't you know this isn't supposed to be fun? Like, you guys are over here eating and drinking, and we're over here starving ourselves. Don't you see what we're doing? And, and this is the verse that was sort of plaguing me here was, I kept thinking about this and, and what's going on. And what I realized is that he's talking about the disciples of John, not just the Pharisees, but the disciples. And if, if you know, the disciples of John would have called themselves followers of Jesus at this time. Uh, uh, about this time, John has been captured and he's in prison and he told, uh, he told all of his disciples, his posse, he's like, hey, go follow this guy. Go do what he, go uh, be with him, go see what he's about. So you got these, these guys who are with the Pharisees and their disciples, and, and they're, they're followers of Jesus at this time. And the really interesting thing about uh, this is that they're over there fasting, they're over there doing their good works, and where's Jesus? He's not with them, he's with his disciples. See, what it means here, what, what, What's going on is Jesus is saying, I'm the point. Your works apart from me do not matter. I'm the point. Fasting without me is just good work that you're trying to do to save yourself. And we get caught up in this. We get caught up in this. I, I often hear from you guys, you know, I meet with people and just talk with people, and, and something that everybody always says to me is like, I just wish I would read my Bible more, or I just wish I prayed more often. 
I just wish I went to church more on Sundays. I just wish I could do it. And the problem is, is that we can read our Bible every day and we can go to church every day of the week. And we can do good things and we can do good actions and we can feed the poor and do all that stuff. But if Jesus isn't there, if Jesus isn't there with us, then we're not following him. We're not a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus sort of knowing what's going on here and knowing their hearts and knowing our hearts and seeing that they are trying to save themselves with their actions. He's got a message for them. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Jesus is saying, I'm the bridegroom. Those times, it it was kind of tradition that you would actually fast before a a wedding feast. It wasn't necessarily a a commandment, but it was uh, something that you might do. But then what would happen is that uh, the bridegroom would then bring his bride in and then everybody would eat together. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm here. It would be absurd not to fast. What, What the Pharisees were trying to do and what the disciples were trying to do is to get to Jesus without him. They were trying to save themselves. They'd created these laws. It actually wasn't commanded of them to fast at this time. You see, fasting isn't about the act of fasting. It's not about recognizing and showing off the fact that you fast, but you fast so that you can pay attention to the Spirit so that you can be with Jesus. And Jesus is saying here, it's not the actions that you do It's not the works without me. It's me. Come to the wedding. Join the party. I'm here. I'm for you. I'm with you. Stop trying to save yourself. Stop stop trying to do it. And so he gives them these two parables. He also told them the parable, No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it into an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new And the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wineskins into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. So those are two kind of confusing parables, but what's going on here is in the first one, you've got these old garments that have sort of been weathered and and so the material has shrunk. And if you were to take a new garment and try to take that and patch the old one, the new garment is eventually going to weather and shrink and tear the old one. And in the same way, you've got uh, wineskins and wineskins at the time were made from animal skins and so you'd put the wine in them and again, there'd be this chemical reaction that would happen and the wineskins would Uh, sort of weather and dry and become very brittle and shrink. And so if you were to put new wine into the wineskins, the process of fermentation would actually make the wineskins explode and it would spill the the wine onto the floor. What Jesus is saying is that he's doing a new thing. Jesus is bringing freedom from the law. And the new and the old 
don't mix. We no longer live under the law. Our actions no longer enslave us. All of the ways that we try to find hope and joy in this world and all the things that we try to do to save us don't matter. Jesus is bringing something new, and this hit me. This hit me last night as I was trying to answer this question for Olive. I was trying to tell her what it means to follow Jesus, and I was so frustrated by this because I had this sermon to preach, and I had to tell you guys what you must do today. So I went downstairs, and I studied some more, and it still wasn't clicking, and I started, I started like, honestly, I started having it out with God a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but I'm just like, what do I do, God? What do I do? And so I'm, I think I'm, maybe I had a little bit of a nervous breakdown at this point. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe it's that I, I haven't prayed enough. So I get down like on the floor on my knees, and I'm like, okay, God, here I am. I'm praying. Like, what do I do? Tell me, what is it? What am I missing? What do I need to do? What's going on here? And then I'm like, that's not working, and I just, I can't think. Like, at this point, I'm just, uh, something's going on, and my brain is just fried, and I'm looking at the text, and I can't even read it, and none of it is making sense to me. And I'm going, God, what do I do? What do I do? And finally, at this point, it's midnight, and I sit down. I'm like, okay, well, I just need to worship then. That's what it is. I figured it out. I know you guys are going, really? You, you, you keep doing this? I, I get it, but this is where I was at last night. I'm just being honest with you guys. That's all I can do up here. But I'm asking God, what do I do? And I'm trying everything, and nothing is working, and I'm breaking down, and I'm just done, and I'm just spent. And so uh, I, I just think, maybe it's, maybe it's there. I forgot. I haven't listened to this song that I always listen to when I'm about to get the sermon. Of course that's it, right? You guys know this is the secret. All along, you got to listen to the song I was listening to. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I wasn't very smart last night. It was, I was tired. Uh, so, but I'm listening to this song that I always listen to, and that song gets done, and I feel no better. And it's 12.05. I look at my watch, and now I'm just stressed, and I'm just, I just give up, right? Have you guys ever given up? Have you ever come to the end of your means? Have you ever just got tired of trying to make it work for you? I think every single one of us here today knows what I'm talking about. I think every single one of us here today understands somehow why it was so easy for Matthew to get up and follow Jesus. So I'm sitting in my chair, I'm at the end of myself, I'm done, I'm spent. And this song comes on, and I was about to turn it off and go to bed, but something about it, I just wanted to listen to it. And in this song, it repeats some lines over and over and over again. And this song is about the gospel. And at the end of the song, it says, I tried to get to you but you came to me instead. With the dawn, the grave is gone. Oh, how you wish to be with me. And it hit me, guys. It hit me. I was trying to get to Jesus. I was trying to get to Jesus last night, guys. I was trying to save myself. But you know what Jesus does? 
You know who he's here for? He's not for the people that are trying to get to him. He's not for the people that are trying to save themselves. See, the greatest thing about our God, the greatest thing about Jesus, is in the midst of it all, in all of our mess, in all of our hurt, in all of our pain, in all of our failed actions, in all of our striving for money and career and cars and everything else that we can try to do to save ourselves, or maybe it's our good works and our Bible reading and all of it, and all of the worthlessness that we try to do for him, at the end of it all, he comes to us instead. And he did this by giving up his kingdom, giving up his authority, coming down here, and having relationship with us, and calling us out, and saying, follow me, follow me. I know what it's like, I know, I see you. I see you're hurting. I see how much you're trying to make it happen. I see how much you're trying to read your Bible. I see how much you're trying to make enough money just to support your family. I see it, I see the hurt, I see the pain. I see your efforts. And ultimately what he does he takes all that, he takes all our failures, he takes all of our sin, and he goes to the cross. And he says, you can't do it, Matthew. Me, Matthew, Matthew. You can't do it. No, I'm going to come down here, and I'm going to do it for you. Oh, how you wish to be with me. The reason why it's so great to follow Jesus is because, oh, how he wishes to be with you guys. I just want you to know that. From the bottom of my heart, Jesus wants to be with you. He wants to take all of your efforts, all of your actions, all of the things that you're trying to do, and he wants to be with you. And so when we ask the question, what, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What do I do? How do I save myself? Then do my actions not matter? No. Look at verse 39. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. You see, when you get this, when you see Jesus as the bridegroom, when you see that Jesus wants to be with you, you want to be with him too. And you want to go to the party, and you want to bring Jesus with you, because he's the point. There's no celebration without him. So you can see on the wall we have this love Jesus, live outward. And when you get what it means to love Jesus, when you get what it means, when you see the hope that I think my daughter needed last night, the hope that I get to tell her is that it's not about what you do, Olive. You're never going to do enough. And you're never going to do enough bad. 
He's always going to love you. And your actions don't matter apart from him. And so when you love Jesus, you get to be about his story. And you get to be about his people because you want to come to our church because there's a bunch of people there who love Jesus too. You don't feel obligated to come. Your vacations suck because this is a party, guys. Let me tell you, this is what it's about. Being with Jesus' people, getting to tell his story. And you want to submit to his rule because your rule, it's not very good. Your rule does some things that I don't even want to talk about, but I think I saw the efforts of that last night. Bad memories. Uh, And because of that, then we get to live outward. It's not hard for me to give my money to Jesus because he's awesome and he does good things with it. It's not hard for me to give my time because my time is his and I get to be with him and I get to do the things and the works of his kingdom. And I want to tell my friends about him. I want to speak. And I want to be the church to you guys. And I want to serve on the parking team. And I want to serve my community. Because I get to. Because Jesus is there. And my works do not matter if he's not there. And if you leave here with anything at all today, what I want you to understand is that apart from Jesus, it's all worthless. I don't care what you're doing. You can be a good, righteous person. You can have everything down. You can do everything right, and it sucks. But when you're with Jesus, he takes it. He takes your burden. He takes your pain, and he bears it on the cross, and he says, I want to be with you. Won't you be with me? Do you see that today? This is what it means to follow Jesus. It's to live your life with him and to enjoy him, to see what he did for you. And then your actions will matter. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that it's not up to me. I thank you so much today that it's not about me getting it right or saying the right things or doing the right things, God. God, what it's about is you. My heart is for you, God. May you be lifted high. God, today, with the people here, See this, God. Would you penetrate their hearts? Would you convict them of where they have been trying to do it themselves? Would you convict them of where they're still living under the old, God? And for those today who are still trying to save themselves, God, would they see you? Would they know that you're calling them today? And that they don't have to do anything because you're saying, follow me. And they get to get up and come to the party and recline with you. 
being free from the slavery that their works are, God. Enjoying you now and knowing that they're going to enjoy you for all of eternity, God. Would that be all of us today? Would we build your kingdom with you, not without you, God? Would we not build our own towers, but your towers? God, I pray this in your name. Amen.